book of Acts, chapter 3. Peter and John has went up to the temple. The lame man at the beautiful gate, above 40 years old, has been healed. A great and a miraculous work of God has been done. And all the people have come and are in great wonder and marveling. So Acts chapter 3, verse number 12. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, You men of Israel, why marvel you at this? Or why look you so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus whom you delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you and kill the Prince of Life whom God hath raised from the dead whereof we are witnesses. And, and his name through faith in his name hath made this man strong whom you see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And now, brethren, I want not that through ignorance you did it, as did also your rulers. But those things which God before has shewed by the mouth of all his prophets, that Christ should suffer, he has so fulfilled... Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the time of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive in the times of restitution of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of His holy prophets since the world began. We'd like to think about the condition of man without the working of God in the heart. Quite a, quite a thing to say. Verse 14... Now remember who he's talking to. He's talking to the same group of people that cried out for and had weight with the government to crucify the Lord Jesus Christ. So I would ask you, maybe you wouldn't see it this way, but you know the condition of man, man, man does not want to be saved. You might say, well, man, a man all over the world wants to be saved. Man does not want to be saved. If you're here today unsaved, and there are people here today unsaved, there's no desire in your heart to be saved. You do not have that desire. 
your heart is in the same condition that the Jews were in when Jesus Christ stood before them. Listen to verse 14, Acts 3, 14. Now, Peter is speaking to a people that are marveling at the lame man that's above 40 years old, made to walk, made to leap, made to run, made to praise God. And they are wondering and they're thinking, how could this be that this man that's 40 years old, lame from his mother's womb, how could it be? And you know, really, they're accrediting it to right at this moment to Peter and John. Why are you looking on us and thinking that we have the power to make this man walk? I I believe we would be amazed. You know, I can think about a young man that has come here several times in Jubilee. If you remember him, he walks, got two crutches. Just, I mean, he just barely can get into the church. If we saw that young man come in that way, and before the service was over, he was leaping and running and praising God, don't you reckon there would be an amazement and we would be saying, what happened to him? What happened to that young man? He'll probably be here this week, I'd say, before the week's out. But that happened to a man that's 40 years old and was born that way. But listen to what Peter says to the group that is amazed and awed. Verse 14, You denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you and kill the Prince of Life whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. You mean to tell me that this group of people that are down at the temple are the same group of people that wanted a murderer instead of the Lord Jesus? That's the condition of man. That is what is in the heart of mankind. Now you you answer me. Why did they want Jesus to be crucified and Barabbas, a murderer, to be granted unto them? If you would turn with me, let's look in the book of Luke at a couple of scriptures. Luke 19 and Luke 22. Luke 19, so Jesus is going to give a likeness of the kingdom of God or a likeness of His working. Luke 19, verse 12, and He said, A certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And He called His ten servants and delivered unto them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a message after him saying, We will not have this man reign over us. 
No, that's the problem with Jesus. That's the problem that mankind has with Jesus. The problem that mankind has with Jesus is that if you get saved, there's someone else going to be the boss over your life. There's someone else that's going to bring you under subjection. And man does not want to lose control of his own life. You know, that's a natural thing. That, I mean, that is a natural thing. You wouldn't want to be... Would you want to be under the control of communist China today? If you had the opportunity to be in business for yourself versus working for somebody, and you'll have to weigh that out for you. But most people would say, I'd like to work for myself. I would rather not have somebody over me. How early does that begin? There's nobody here young enough that that hasn't begun. Nobody here young enough that that attitude is not in them. Doesn't matter. Over here, 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 the youngest in the house. Do they want a boss? No ma'am and no sir, they do not. Really what I'd like to do is I'd like to enjoy the goodness of God. I'd like to die and go to heaven one day. I'd like for my sins to be forgiven. I'd like for God to make the slate clean, but I'd like to live for me. I'd like to live and do what I want to do. I'd like to talk like I want to talk, go where I want to go, act the way I want to act, and in the end, I'd like for God to have mercy and grace upon me and for me to be able to go to heaven. That's what man wants. You know why man doesn't want Christ in his life? Because man does not want to give up his sin. Man loves his sin. You know, if you didn't love your sin, it would not be a problem for you to be saved, would it? It wouldn't be a problem for you to be saved. But man loves his sin and man loves darkness rather than light. So therefore, when the gospel is preached, when Jesus Christ is preached, when the Lamb of God walked upon the face of the earth, man wanted to get rid of Him. Well, I'll tell you this, folks. Man is no different in 2023 than he was in 33 A.D. Man wants to get rid of Jesus today just as much as he wanted to get rid of Jesus in 33 A.D. Christ is hated just as much today as He was hated in 33 A.D. And the problem is, man will not have this man rule over him. I'm not going to have this man reign over me. Well, know this, friend. In the end, you'll be destroyed eternally in the region of the damned. Know this, if you will not have Christ to reign over you now, 
He will not be the one that comes to your rescue and the one that speaks for you and the one that is your advocate and the one that pleads your case when we stand before God. Man is no different today than he's ever been in all of creation. Man hates God. The devil used that very attitude that was in the first man and the first woman to bring them to a place that they rebelled against God. God's holding back on you. God's holding out on you. You could have more than what you've got. I mean, if you would just follow me, the devil says, I'll give you real enjoyment. I'll give you real pleasure. I'll give you real knowledge. I'll let you really enjoy life if you'll believe my lie and reject God and reject the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll let you really enjoy life. What is he? He's a liar. Was he a liar in the garden in Genesis chapter number 2 and 3? He's still a liar today. He's still a liar today. Uh, Luke chapter 22. I'm sorry, Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. Jesus is standing before Pilate and before this same group of people that we're reading about in Acts chapter number 3. And what do they say? Pilate, willing to release him, chapter 23, verse number 20, willing to release Jesus, spake to them again and saying, They cried, saying, Crucify Him, crucify Him. And He said unto them the third time, Why, what evil hath He done? I have found no cause of death in Him. I will therefore chastise Him and let Him go. Why did they want Christ crucified? I tell you what... According to what I read in the book of John, they were afraid they were going to lose their place. It's the truth. If Jesus, if Jesus lives, we're going to lose our place. What does man desire? You you reason with me, and you reason with me now, and tell me how this could be that they crucified the Holy One, the Just One, the One that Pilate three different times said, I find no fault in Him, the One that Herod could find no fault in, a man that raised the dead, a man that fed 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes, one time and another time 4,000, a man that restored sight to the blind, a man that raised Lazarus from the dead, a man that was so compassionate and so loving and so merciful over and over and over out of three, three and a half years of ministry, why would you cry crucify him and want a murderer to be set free? 
Does that make any sense to you? There's no logical, no natural reason for that, is there? If a missionary, genuine, a genuine missionary was in the jail and a murderer was in the jail and the governor was going to release one of them because it was... Uh, it, it was a tradition for this time of year. It was a tradition to release from prison. Maybe it was a tradition as they looked back to Egypt and they were released from Pharaoh. But somebody was going to find grace this day. Somebody was going to find the mercy and the grace of God and the goodness of the government this day. Would you, would you call for the murderer to be released or for the missionary to be released? <coughs> so it makes no logical sense at all, does it? Where's the problem at? The problem's not in the natural part, it's in the morality part. It's in the moral part, it's in the spiritual realm. The spiritual realm and the, and the moral part of man rejects the Lord Jesus Christ. That inner part, that spiritual part of man does not want the Lord Jesus Christ to live. He would rather a murderer be granted and a murderer be turned loose. Now, imagine now, you've got children and you would rather a murderer be turned loose in your community, a rebeller against the government, one who is an insurrectionist, one who has rebelled and murdered during the rebellion, you would rather have that person be turned loose in your neighborhood and your doors unlocked and your children running around. You would rather have that man turned loose than to have Jesus Christ turned loose in your life. You know what the problem is? The problem is a heart problem. It's not a mind problem. It's not a natural problem. It's not a right thinking problem. The problem is with the heart of man. The problem is man rejects any desire for God. Man is going to reject that Jesus Christ would rule or reign over him. Man is a rebellion against God. So they cried, crucifying. And they were instant, verse 23, uh, Luke 23, they were instant with loud voice, requiring that it might be that he might be crucified, and the voices of them and the chief priests prevailed. They overcame Pilate. And Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they required. You know something? What do you want today? It's going to be as you require, as you will, as you desire, as you want. You want Christ to be crucified and Barabbas turned loose? Well, I'll tell you, you can have your wish. You can have your wish today. But know this, God is going to raise Him from the dead. And that man that you crucified is the one that's going to be the judge. 
He's going to be the judge. When all is said and done, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to be the judge of all the world. But man, man is going to request and desire and long after Barabbas to be turned loose rather than Jesus Christ. So Peter, Peter here in Acts, Peter in the book of Acts, he's, he's saying to the people there, God said this was going to happen. I'd like for you to notice this verse. Verse number 17. And now, brethren, I want not that through ignorance you did it as did also the rulers. They did not know who the Lord Jesus was. I ask you today, do you know who He is? Do you know who Jesus is today? By the Word of God, He's the Savior of the world. By the Word of God, He is the Son of God raised from the dead. He is the one uh, that the prophets spoke of. He is the one that through Abraham's seed was going to bless the world. He's the one that God sent to this world that you and I could be brought into the family of God. Do you know this Jesus today? Well, these people were ignorant of who Jesus was. And without a revelation from God, you and I are in the same condition. Man will always choose a Barabbas. Man will always choose a murderer. Man will go against what seems to be absolutely illogical. Man will choose the illogical and choose that that is completely against any any rationalism at all. Man is going to reject the Son of God and choose a murderer. You might say, well, that, that wouldn't happen to me. Are you saved today? Do you want to be saved today? But ye denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you. You know what they were going to do? They were going to save this man. Their request was going to be granted by the governor. They were going to save a murderer and kill the Son of God. What's your choice today? Christ or Barabbas? What will our choice be today? You desired, you denied the Holy One. So, would we acknowledge Him today? Would we acknowledge the Holy One? Would you yield your life? Would you allow Him to reign over you? Would you choose today? Would you repent? Would you repent and acknowledge that the Lord Jesus Christ is the Lord from heaven above? Would you acknowledge that He's the just One, the Holy One? Would you be willing to acknowledge that today? Then outside of that, you know what I choose? I choose a murderer. Outside of that, I deny the Holy One. I deny the Lord Jesus Christ. I deny that I want to be saved. I deny. You know what man says? I'm alright the way I am. I'm just fine the way that I am. I ask you this. Again, logically, why did God Almighty send His only begotten Son to this world if you're alright the way you are? Why did God crucify Jesus on the cross if you're alright 
the way you are. Am I responsible for the crucifixion of the Son of God? I am responsible. My sin brought the Lamb of God to the cross. You might say, well, that was the plan of God. It certainly was. It was the plan of God, but it was my sins that brought Him there. It was the plan of God because of the fall of man. It was the plan of God because that is God's means of reconciling man back unto God. You know this, friend? We're either going to be reconciled unto God in this world or we're forever going to be uh, 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 irreconcilable. We shall never ever be reconciled unto God unless we're reconciled unto God through Jesus Christ by faith in this world. It has to be, it has to be now, friend. It can't be down the road. It can't be later. It has to be now. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the appointed time. Which will you choose today? You say, preacher, I don't want to be saved. I'll say if you want to be saved today, thank God that God would be working in your heart. Thank God that He would deal with you. Thank God that He would allow us to think on and to realize that I'm going out to meet God one day and I'm responsible for the crucifixion of the Son of God and I desired a murderer. You know who that murderer is? Every one of us. Me. Me. You know what I want? I want me to be turned loose. So I'm brought into prison by the law. Isn't that why Barabbas was in prison? The law got Barabbas and put him in prison, did did they not? He's in prison for murder, rebellion, insurrection, rising up against authority. Are you guilty of that? Are you guilty of rebelling against God? Are you guilty of rebelling against the laws of God? Are you rebelling? Are you a rebeller? I ask you this by the words of the Lord Jesus. Are you a murderer? Have you hated? Have you despised? Have you envied? Have you had malice? Have you desired if it was in your power and there was no consequences? Have you desired that you would love to make somebody pay? You know the only thing that stops us from doing that? The consequences of the law. Isn't that true? If there were no consequences, what would man do? There'd be no limit to what man would do. No limit. But Peter says this, You denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you. You know what? God comes by with His Word, He comes by with His law, and He locks us up in prison and lets us know that we're guilty. We're guilty of murder. We're guilty of envy. We're guilty of strife. We're guilty of malice. 
We're guilty of rebellion against God. We're, rebe- we're rebellers against God. We were born with that, with that nature of rebellion and with that nature of not wanting anyone to rule over us. And here is an opportunity uh, for us to be saved. We don't want Jesus. Just turn me out and I'll do better. Turn you out of prison and you'll do better. The law has already condemned you. The law has already arrested and brought you in and you have been guilty of murder and guilty of rebellion and guilty of insurrection against authority. And if we turn you out, you're going to be better. Have you looked at our court system today? Have you looked at our judicial system today? Have you looked at how that people are turned out over and over and over again? I ask you this, friend. Why are they there the second time? Why are they there the third time? Why are the charges greater? Why are the sentences greater? Why does it go from a misdemeanor to a felony? What? What? I mean, you turned him out. He said he is going to do better. Man is never going to do better until God does a work in the heart. You're never going to be able to do better until God does a work in the heart of the individual. But you know what man wants? He wants a murderer turned loose. Now God, if you'll just, you'll just help me out of this situation right here, I'm going to do better. Now I tell you what you're going to do. You're going to revert back to the same thing that you were before and it's going to be a little worse. It's going to be just like our brother said. It's going to wax worse and worse. So Peter, Peter says, I know this. I know that God had glorified His Son, Jesus Christ. That's exactly what He's doing right here at the beautiful gate and at the temple. He's glorifying. This man is walking not because of Peter and John. This man is weeping or uh, leaping and running and jumping and praising God because God is being glorified. The Lord Jesus is being glorified through this man. Peter and John's taking zero credit. No credit whatsoever. He says, I know this. I know that you desired... Uh, 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 to get rid of Jesus, you killed, this is the Word of God now, and killed the Prince of Life whom God has raised from the dead whereof we are witnesses. And His name through faith. How's this man walking? I tell you, this man is walking by faith in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, has given this man faith to believe this. He has given him a measure of faith down in his heart that he could believe this. When Peter and John looked on him and fastened their eyes on him, he fastened his eyes upon them. They were expecting to receive something. Praise God, he did. And it was greater than his expectation. It brought him to a place, not a day's journey, 
not a little dab to make it through the next day or two. I'll tell you, he was a man who could praise God and take care of himself from here on out. God did a great work in this man. And now, brethren, now I ask you, how would you feel? How would you feel about a people that crucified and desired and killed the Lord Jesus Christ? Would you have a love? Would you have great compassion for them? I tell you, God's working on Peter too, is He not? Look at the Word of God. And now, brethren, isn't that something? Are they brethren spiritually? Not at this moment. But they are brethren. They are people of the Jews. They are the people of Judaism. They are the people that are religious. But Peter says, now, brethren, I know, I want, I want that you did it ignorantly. But let me tell you this, they may be ignorant, but they are not innocent. You may be ignorant today, but you are not innocent. Would you agree today you may not know the Lord Jesus Christ, but I'll say this, you're not innocent of His death. You're not innocent of breaking the law. You're not innocent of murder. You're not innocent of rebellion. You're not innocent of breaking the laws of God. And you know something? Somewhere and somehow, that law breaking has to be paid for. Is God just? Is God going to let it slide for you? Is God going to let it slide for that lady or that man or that fellow over there? God is not going to let it slide. I tell you that every sin and every transgression, every iniquity is going to have to be paid for. And I know, brethren, I want. And now, brethren, I want that you did it through ignorance. Did they know? No. If they had known, according to 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, Paul says this, which none of the princes of this world knew. They didn't know Jesus. They did not know the Lord Jesus Christ, for had they known it, they would have not have crucified the Lord of glory. They did it in ignorance. But they're not innocent. So what are we going to do about that? What are we going to do? I know. I know that you did it in ignorance. You did it as did also the rulers. Who's guilty? I say this, we're all guilty. We're all guilty before God. There is none good. No, not one. So what does he say to do? Repent therefore and be converted. So let's think again. You know what Peter's saying? You're seeing the evidence of the workings of the resurrection and the Spirit and the power of God Almighty raising His Son from the dead. You are seeing the evidence with that, with this man that is leaping and running and praising God. You are seeing the evidence of what God can do in a life. I tell you, God can do that for you. God can do that in your life. What's necessary? Just walk through the verse with me. Repent. So what does that word mean? 
I tell you, that word means to think again. That word means that there is a change. That word means that I am changed afterward. That word means that I'm going to repent and be converted. My mind is going to be changed. My life is going to be changed. I'm going to be a new creature. I'm going to be, I'm going to have a new thinking. I'm going to have a new desire, a new want to, a new will, a new life. I'm going to have a new longing in life that is going to honor and praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you praised Him? You think about it. Who sees this? Who sees this man running, leaping, Praising God. Who sees it? Everybody at the temple sees it, right? So if you're saved today, does anybody see any praising of God for raising you from the dead? From your being brought out of prison Are we exempt? You mean that I could be 15, 25, 40. God's going to completely change my life. And there is nothing said, nothing done, no revelation of a change of God in my heart and life. Has God really moved in there? Has God really made a change there? You know something, folks? We've got to the place that we just think whatever I think is right. It doesn't matter what the Bible says. It doesn't matter that I'm supposed to glorify and honor the Lord. It doesn't matter that I'm supposed to be filled with, I mean overcome, I'm not talking about just that I'm saved and I have the indwelling. I'm talking about that there would be a manifestation of God living in the heart. That don't apply to us in 2023. I say, folks, that we're sitting in the monks of a multitude of people that have never been saved. By the Word of God, by what God prescribes. By what God says it looks like for someone to be saved and born again, it looks like. It looks like that woman that was a notorious sinner. It looks like that she went down there, broke the alabaster box. The whole house was filled with the smell of it. It looks like she was praising the Lord. It looks like she was in a place of opposition. You're not in a place of opposition. You're in a place where people would get behind you and pray for you, help you, strengthen you, encourage you. Where in the world is there ever going to be any praise for the Lord? Look off into the look through the wall. Look through the wall like you don't hear me. Doesn't apply to us today, does it? Don't be fools. Don't be fools if God moves into your heart. Don't you think that would bring a reaction? Just turn Barabbas loose again. That's what we want. We're going to die in our sins and go to hell. 
Peter said, I know that you did it ignorantly. I know that you didn't know who Jesus was. But I tell you, they didn't do it innocently. There was no fault in Him. No fault by Pilate. No fault by Herod. No fault by the Jews. They could not find a fault in Him. And yet they crucified the Lamb of God. Are they innocent of that? No, they're not. Neither are you. What shall we do? Repent. This is what He says. Repent ye therefore. What do I deserve? I do what I deserve. I killed the Son of God. I raised my hand to crucify Him. I'm the one that drove the nails. I'm the one that helped stand up the cross. I'm the one that crucified Him. I'm the one guilty of the sin. I'm the one that rebelled. I'm the one that murdered. I'm the one that killed the Son of God. What am I due? I see what I'm due. I'm due hell. That's what I'm due. But grace said, I'll give you an opportunity to repent. Isn't that grace? Are they guilty? They're guilty. But Peter said, Brethren, I know I want that you did it ignorantly. Repent. Repent and be converted. Repent and be changed. You know, if I went from here to Mexico and I had a hundred dollars. For me to use that $100 in Mexico, that's got to be changed, doesn't it? For me to take that $100 of value and me to use that in Mexico or Latin America or wherever, south of the border, that's going to be have, have to be changed into a currency that can be used. So, you know, there's going to be a conversion there. I live for the devil, but I could repent. I could, my mind could be changed. My heart could be changed. I could acknowledge my sin, acknowledge my guilt, acknowledge my failure, acknowledge that by the law I should be in prison, by the law I should go to hell, but I could repent and there could be a change. I could be valuable in the kingdom of God. But not without a converting. Not without converting. No change. How am I going to get into the kingdom of God with no change? How am I going to buy food and a motel and a car in Mexico with a hundred dollar bill from the United States? That ain't going to work, is it? Does there not have to be a conversion? I tell you, there's got to be a conversion in the heart. There's got to be a change in the heart. There's got to be a change. Honest to God, the whole man is changed. When the heart is changed, the whole man will be changed. Repent, therefore, and be converted. And your sins, that. Listen, would you read it with me? That your sins may be blotted out. Would you like to have your sins blotted out? 
Would you like to be forgiven of your sins? Would you like to have them erased? Would you like to have them gone? Would you like to have your sins put away? That your sins may be blotted out. Would you read with me in Colossians? Colossians chapter number 2. Colossians chapter 2. We're complete in Him, 2 and 10, who is the head of all principality and power, in whom also you are circumcised. So I said a few days ago, are the ladies circumcised too? Yes, the ladies are circumcised too. So this is not a circumcision of the flesh. This is a circumcision made without hands and putting off the body of sin. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get rid of that old Barabbas. I'm going to get rid of that old rebeller. I'm going to get rid of that one that rebelled and rose up against authority and is in jail because he deserves to be. I'm going to get rid of that man. How? Through repentance. Conversion. A new life. How am I going to get that? Buried with him in baptism. There's a picture of death. Wherein you're also risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. Am I dead in God's sight? If I am unsaved today, I am dead to God. Spiritually dead to God. A worker. you, You reason with me just a moment. When God said to those 600,000 men that came out of Egypt that are in the wilderness, when He said, Ye shall not go into My promised land. But you know they wandered around for another 35, 37, 38, 39 years. So I ask you this, were they dead or alive? Both. Isn't that true? Both. They were alive in the flesh, but as far as God was concerned, they were dead spiritually. They were dead men walking. That's what we are today without salvation, without the Lord Jesus Christ. We're walking through this world and we're dead, headed to hell. A friend, the sentence hadn't come. The execution of the sentence hadn't come. But I want you to know this. A friend, conviction has already come. But you could be, you could repent. You could think different. You could be different. You could be converted. You could come to Jesus. You could acknowledge your sin today, couldn't you? But you know, you don't want to. Do you? No. You don't want to do that. I mean, I don't want to do that. I I, I haven't praised God. When? When? Let me think on that. When was the last time that I praised God? Even in church. When? I'm going to heaven. Are you really? You're going to heaven. God saved you from a burning hell, forgave you of your sins, brought you from death unto life, and there's no praise, but you're going to heaven. 
You know what? You better get your Bible out and read it again. You better holler at me and I'll give you a stack of CDs as high as you can carry and you better be listening to some gospel over and over and over again because you are believing a lie. Listen to these words. <laughs> Buried with him, Colossians chapter number 2. And you being dead in your sins and the circumcision, uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he, through the operation of God, hath he quickened together. Quickening means to be made alive. Let me ask you something. Is Barabbas a dead man? He's living, but he's a dead man. But you know what's going to happen this day? They're going to crucify an innocent man. They're going to crucify the Lamb of God. They're going to get rid of Him because if they don't get rid of Him, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to lose my place. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath He quickened together with Him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. What a picture. So I'd like for you to think on this for just another moment or two. Repent, repent ye therefore, be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the time of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Would today be the day that the refreshing of the Lord has come? Would today be the day that God could change and bring a refreshing to you? Blotting out. So what are they doing in Colossians? Colossians. Have I got sin? I've got sin. Do you have sin? But you know my sin, according to Colossians, my sin has been forgiven. You all trespasses, blotting out. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure probably Lisa and Clark will be able to probably talk about this a lot better than I can. But just think about this for a moment. There's something they call expunging a record. It's really the same thing that's going on right here. To smear out, to obliterate, to expunge. What's going on here? So let's just think a moment. Expunge means this. The legal process to remove a criminal conviction or criminal charge from a person's record and to seal or destroy the state's record of arrest, charge, and or conviction. In the state of North Carolina, you could have your record cleaned, done away with, smeared out, expunged. You could have that done. Listen a little farther. You cannot expunge a record if it's of a violent misdemeanor, 
a violent felony, or certain drug convictions. So not everything can be done away with, but some things, if they're not violent, if it's not a particular drug charge, that record, not only of the conviction, but your arrest, your charges, and or your conviction can all be sealed up with a state and nobody can ever look at it, or it can be done away with completely. But you can't get an expungement if you're convicted of a violent crime, a violent felony, or certain drug charges. It may not be possible to have a conviction sealed or expunged if you've been convicted of a separate felony or offense whether before or after the conviction that you're desiring to be erased, expunged. So you know if you do it again, if you do it again, you can't get that cleaned up. (coughs) Isn't that something? Convictions can be done away with in the court's of the state of North Carolina. Not all, though. Depends on your crime. I'm talking about in Colossians, every crime. Habitual crimes. Violent crimes. Ungodly crimes. Crimes against nature. Crimes against humanity. Crimes against another. Drug crimes. Criminal crimes, misdemeanor crimes, violent crimes, murder, rape, all kinds of crimes can be forgiven through the offering of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He covers it all. He expunges every record. I'll tell you, it'll never be brought up again. Through repentance. Conversion. Acknowledging of my sin and trusting in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ who blotted out my sins, nailing it to His cross. My sin, my crime, misdemeanor or felony, one time or habitual, were all nailed to the cross. And I tell you, when He died and my faith in Christ Jesus, my record was expunged. My record has been sealed. My record has been done away with. It'll never be brought up again before God. You may bring it up. I'm not worried about you. I'm worried about coming to the court system. I'm worried about coming before the judge. You may bring my crime up, but I'll tell you, Jesus died for me and my record has been cleared. And yours could be too.